thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Gameware Express. My name is Adam Arinder, and it is Friday, November the 11th, 2016. You are tuning in to episode number 152, and I'm here all by myself this week. Um, so this will definitely be an interesting endeavor. Unfortunately, due to many scheduling conflicts between work, um, extracurricular activities, I'm in a wedding this weekend, and me being sick, uh, there is no clear time for the four of us, or any combination of the four of us, uh, to get together this week, unfortunately. Uh, so I didn't want to miss another week. We've done that two or three times in the past, and I'm always sad when I can't record an episode. So I figured I would channel my inner Garnet Lee and bring you an episode flying solo this week. Um, of course, Garnet Lee used to host Weekend Confirmed. And once that show went under and he was in between jobs, uh, he recorded Garnet on Games, where he did a solo podcast every week, which was really impressive how he could talk to himself for an hour to an hour and a half every week. Also, since it's just me, I get to use my fancy Yeti microphone. So maybe I sound better, or maybe you hear everything else in the room other than my voice. Uh, I guess we'll find out when we're done. This will be a fresh experience. First time you, first time me. Uh, so just like, kind of like last week, if this is your first week tuning in, welcome. Uh, it's not normally like this. But there are plenty, plenty of political analysts and sports broadcasters that have their own radio shows that they do by themselves. So if they can do it, I can do it, right? So here we go. This will be interesting. Uh, I'm obviously not going to do an intro question this week because I'm not going to ask a question to myself and answer it. Instead, I will um, update you all on how our Extra Life campaign went last week. Uh, if you don't know, Extra Life is a fantastic um, foundation raising money for children's miracle network hospitals around the country. Uh, this is our third year participating where you stream video games live on the internet for 24 hours on Twitch or I guess wherever your preferred streaming platform is and uh, people come and watch you and donate. Uh, this year we had a $1,500 goal and we crushed it. We raised $1,730. Thank you so much, everyone out there, for your support. Uh, if you tuned in, if you donated, if you spread the word, um, all that money is going directly to the kids here in Baton Rouge at Our Lady of the Lake Children's Hospital. So uh, I cannot thank you enough. It was a lot of fun, as it is every year. Uh, usually by the time I hit hour 19 or 20, I start questioning my existence and why I choose to do this every year. Um, but by the end, the last hour or so, you kind of get that second win, that final push. And when it's over, I'm already ready for next year. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. We got to play a lot of good games. Uh, we fell off schedule a little bit, um, but we, I think we made up well. And uh, I already, like I said, already can't wait until next year. Excuse me, now you get to hear me take water breaks because I'm the only one talking. Uh, throughout Extra Life... We did play a lot of games, including a couple of new games, uh, so we can get straight into that. Uh, the first game on our schedule, actually, this year, uh, we always start with a Mario Party title, and Mario Party Star Rush uh, just came out the day before, so we had not even played it at all. I didn't even know what it was about. Uh, that's the new Mario Party on uh, 3DS, and you know, we figured we'd try it out live on stream. And unfortunately, that might not have been the best idea. So ever since Mario Party 8, when Mario Party 9 came out, 
they kind of mixed up the formula of roll the dice, move around the board, collect stars, fuck your friends over. Uh, you know, nine and ten, you rode around in a car together and like work together, but also opposing each other to fight mini bosses. And it was really weird and it didn't feel like Mario Party. I don't know if the jokes of, you know, you play Mario Party if you hate your friends, and so they wanted to be more cooperative thing, but it, they just weren't very enjoyable. The only good thing about Mario Party 10 being on the Wii U is you can use the gamepad in Bowser mode, and then you can just draw, like, giant penises on the screen, and, uh, you know, that's, I guess you get some enjoyment out of that. But when Mario Party Island Tour came out on 3DS, uh, I believe, like, three years ago, it kind of almost went back to the traditional Mario Party where you're rolling individual dice, you're moving around the board. They actually had different uh, maps with different rules and ranked them by, you know, minigame, by luck, by skill, you know. So each one had a different setup, and depending on how you wanted to play, you could um, set the game up like that. So I was really expecting another uh, 3DS game to be similar uh, but this one was not at all. Um, friend of the show, Nick Seegers, who did uh, Extra Life with us, uh, downloaded it. And since it has download play, we all got to play without owning a cartridge, just like Mario Party Island Tour. And I don't know if that uh, inhibited anything, but we only had one option. It was kind of to start on World 1-1. And it was the map was set up like three different islands, and it was a giant grid. And you all started out as toads. And the object is to roll the dice and move around the grid and recruit friends, like Mario characters, to your team. So then whenever a mini game or something would pop up, you'd be participating, but like your posse would be too. So you want to try to make friends as quickly as possible because you've got to a more of an advantage in the mini game because the computer is also working for you. Also each uh, Mario friend has a different power on the board to do different things, interact with the board differently. And since it was the first game we did, you know, I was trying to set up a stream, make sure everything was working, blasting social media. And at first I kind of was lost in what we were trying to do. And then we had a game error and we had to restart. And then the second time around, I, I got it. And it was sort of enjoyable if the game wasn't called Mario Party, right? Because when you play, when you hear Mario Party, you expect a certain thing. And if this game was called, you know, Mario and Friends Move Around a Grid, I would have expected something different and I may have enjoyed it more. I don't know if that's something you can hold against the game with preconceived notions going into a title. But when you call it Mario Party, you, you, after all these years, you feel like you should know what to expect, you know? And considering it was kind of different, and we only got to play it for an hour live on stream, uh, I didn't get the best representation of it. We're going to try to play it again. We have interest in wanting to play it again and, and give it a shot, uh, because once we beat 1-1... One, one, uh, I'm sorry, you, so you uh, let, me, let me back up a little bit. You recruit your friends, and then you try to get to these spaces to fight these mini-bosses by doing various things. Uh, the problem is when we, got, when we beat that, we decided to start, I guess, World 1-2 or 2-1, because we still had a little bit of time left in that time slot. And we were doing that again. The map was a little sub-different, more traps and hazards. But it was the same mini-bosses, at least the first one or two we encountered. 
so it's like I'm tired of bob bombs dropping and I load them into cannons and shoot the giant bob bomb. Like, why? If if the main thing is to fight these mini bosses, there should be more, or at least different ones where it's not back to back on the same thing. So it's hard in the only the one hour we played it to really give any final verdict or recommendation. Uh, just if you if you are looking at this title, don't go into it expecting a Mario Party game because it's not. It's not. Uh, if you want to try this weird little quirky thing. Uh, that you can play with your friends and only one person needs to buy a copy, then, yeah, go for it. But don't be expecting, you know, a, pro- a proper Mario ti- Mario Party title because it's not. Uh, something else new I played that Vaughn talked about on the show a few weeks ago uh, because during Extra Life we always have our, like I guess, traditions. If it can be a tradition after only doing it for three years. We always start with a Mario Party title and then at about 1 or 2 a.m., we play Five Nights at Freddy's because the first one came out two years ago and I wanted to check it out. And then right around Extra Life last year is when Five Nights at Freddy's 4 came out. So luckily, last month they re- released the Five Nights at Freddy's sister location game, which Vaughn had you know played and beaten that week. And I said I was going to wait again and play it live on stream because that's what I had done before. And yet again, I feel like I should have waited or no, I'm sorry, not have waited. I feel like I should have played it before to check it out because if it if I knew what it was going into it, I probably would have removed it from the schedule because uh, I didn't want Vaughn to tell me too much because I wanted to play it because I have played and I've played all of the previous ones and beaten most of them. I beat one and three and almost beat four and two was just too much plate spinning. Um, but this one was just not enjoyable at all. Uh, I mean, kind of echoing what Vaughn said a few weeks ago, but it's not... I feel like the creator was trying too hard on this title. Because the reason Five Nights at Freddy's, I think, became so popular, other than the YouTubers and Twitch kids screaming at the top of their lungs and, I guess, being funny, was there's a certain type of elegance in its simplicity, where you're just sitting there clicking cameras and closing doors at the right time, Whereas in Sister Location, there is like a weird narrative going on that doesn't make any sense other than like it's supposed to be scary because you're working at this facility where they straight up tell you, oh yeah, the robots will probably kill you. Um, But then why would I be, I don't need money this bad. Like it was really weird. And the, the little bit I got to play again was only for the first hour because we put it in hour blocks. I had to like, click through these areas and then crawl really slowly on the floor. If not, the ballerina robot would kill me. And then when I finally got there, I had to like flip, hold these buttons down. I got to like a circuit board and there were eight panels I had to turn back on. But if I held the button too long, Freddy or somebody would come scare me. So I had to like put the panel down and press a button to make them go away. And it, it just took too long. And I got to the eighth of eight circuits and then i finally died and vaughn was really impressed that i got that far because he said usually people don't get it on the first turn but then after that i just didn't want to do that all over again because the checkpoint was back where i had to crawl on the floor slowly and it just it just wasn't enjoyable for that first hour because i felt like they were trying to fit in too much and put all of these little smaller objectives that i guess were their own games before and 
part of the, I guess, charm of the first four games, it was the narrative was not in your face. They had all of those theory videos going on uh, online for people trying to figure out what exactly was going on. And there's some fun in that mystery. And I had no idea what was going on when they were trying to tell me. And I know Vaughn mentioned something about reading a book. And it, just, it was just a mess. So do not know. I mean, I if you love the Five Nights at Freddy series, you A, probably don't play the games. You probably watch Markiplier play them. Uh, and if you do, you might like this, but I did not like this at all. I don't know if it just got too big and I'm over it, or it was just frustrating and not enjoyable to play. Um, I'm trying to think, everything else we played on Extra Life we've played before, I believe. So we'll move into other things that I've also been playing. I'm, I'm, I'm going further in, through Titanfall 2, uh, its campaign. Uh, it's still great. Um, I finally got outside of like the Half-Life kind of facility, and I did my first boss fight in the Titan, which is really neat. Like, I really like the Titan on Titan combat there just because it helps shake up the gameplay. Like, every, you're always doing something different, and it helps keep it fresh where whether you're, you know, obviously first-person shooting, you're shooting guys like Call of Duty, but there are some instances where there are no enemies, and it's just platforming because you're doing your wall jumps, your double jumps, your, your stuff like that. I think I mentioned last week on the show how it has some Half-Life feels or those old 90s first-person shooters because it does feel more like platforming than shooting. So it's really neat and slightly more grounded in reality that there's not always 20, 30 dudes trying to shoot you and you need to shoot them. And then, of course, when you get in your Titan, it's completely different as well because the the, the Titan I'm in, uh, he just has a dash ability so he can't you know, run or jump or wall run. Uh, and you could swap out your your gun, which gives you different attributes uh, in your Titan, or you have like the lock-on missile thing or the, the smoke grenade or whatever. Um, not much else to say because I'm still slowly working my way through that campaign. Still no multiplayer yet. Uh, I mean, I played plenty of that in the first one, so I'm sure this one's fine as well. It's just unfortunate here because with it coming out between Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty, the sales are like abysmal. And... I feel like people should be playing this game because it is a lot of fun. It's getting high marks, but it might, again, take its legs out from under it like the first game because a lot of people aren't buying it now. That'll hurt the multiplayer, which is the main point of this game. So it's really unfortunate, but um, I did get Call of Duty. I didn't get a chance to install it yet because we were, or play it because we were doing Extra Life stuff, and then I got sick earlier this week. But I'm looking forward to checking out Call of Duty and Battlefield 1 after Titanfall 2. And kind of give a rundown on this trifecta of first-person shooters coming out, you know, in the end of October, early November. Uh, this year is really impressive uh, for first-person shooters. So it's it's I like that those are coming back, and it's not just Call of Duty and Battlefield, Call of Duty and Battlefield. There's a lot of unique other shooters out there, which is really encouraging and really great. And then the last new thing I played this week, which I'm actually really excited to talk about because I finally got uh, some people over to play it, is uh, Jackbox Party Pack 3. So we played uh, Party Pack 2 on stream uh, for Extra Life because we love Fibbage and we love Quiplash. Especially doing on the stream is neat because people at home can play. But Jackbox 3 came out uh, last month and I haven't been able to drag uh, enough people over to actually give it a shot because some of those games say you can play you know, three to six players or three to eight players, but it's really fun, like four or five 
six people playing. Because like Quiplash with three people, technically you can do it. But then it's just two people putting the prompts up and one person voting. And then that's not as fun as when you have eight people playing and throwing stuff up with people in the audience. Um, so I got three other people. So we had four of us playing uh, for Jackbox 3. And that was a solid number. I wish kind of we had five or six. But I'm going to kind of run down the, the five games in uh, in the Jackbox Party Pack 3 because they're all actually pretty fun. Uh, and Jackbox 1, the only really good ones, in my opinion, were You Don't Know Jack and Fibbage. And uh, Drawful was okay. And in Jackbox 2, you had Fibbage 2, you have Quiplash, and that's about it. Like the sound game, Earbuds, Earwax, whatever it's called, isn't that great. Bidiots is terrible. And the bomb game is okay. Uh, bomb Squad, I think. Bomb Core. Bomb. Anyway, the bomb game is okay, but I'd rather just play Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. Uh, but in Jackbox 3, excuse me, in Jackbox 3, they're all pretty solid. So, I mean, uh, Quiplash 2 is tops the tops the chart there. Uh, it's just more Quiplash, uh, which is fine. Uh, I don't like in the like the final Quiplash. There's like comics now, and instead of it just being like a prompt and everyone puts it up there, and then you get three votes, and then whoever gets the most votes kind of gets the most points. They have it where like there's like a comic, so you have to like kind of fill in the comic or uh, like a speech bubble or whatever. Or it's not just a prompt. But now you have to order answer in in the order, like one, two, three, you want to do, which we weren't used to at first because it awards like gold, silver, and bronze medals to your answers depending on how many people buzz it in. And that gives you more points as opposed to it just being a flat three. So we were kind of answering things at first and then realizing, oh, these are tiered and we're not answering our best question or best response first. It's just a weird little thing. Um, if you're familiar with Quiplash, there's a change there. Uh, the new games... Um, the I guess I'll kind of go run down them in reverse order now. Uh, my the the second one on the list is uh, Murder Trivia Party, which I guess is kind of their response to not having you don't know Jack still. Um, where this one's actually up to eight players, while you don't know Jack is only four, and it, it kind of like there's a like a, a killer, like a murderer, like it sounds like Jigsaw uh, from the Saw series, the Saw movies. And he's asking you trivia questions, and your avatar is kind of like this weird little voodoo doll. And if you get it right, you get to live. And if you miss the question, you have to kind of play this like bonus trivia round or like a, a little mini game. And if you fail or miss that question, you die. And your guy kind of turns into a ghost. You have an X over your eyes. And you can still earn money, but you don't get a chance to participate in some of the other events after the trivia questions. The problem is with a lot of these mini games is some of them are trivia questions, some of them are memory, and some of them are literally just like spin wheel of fortune, and you're probably going to die. Uh, there's a lot going on in this game, and it's kind of hard to follow the first time you play, and it gets a little better. Because once everyone misses a question and everyone's dead except for one person, you move on to the final round, and it's like you're trying to escape the room. There's like a door where you have to answer enough questions correctly. And when you get it right, you move a space forward and you're avoiding as the darkness comes to follow behind you. So you don't want to fall behind. Basically, if you answer the question, right, you move forward. However, the ghosts start further behind you. And if they answer more questions than you, they can catch up to you and steal your body 
and then they're alive again and then they can escape and the, the one who can have their body and escape wins uh so i mean it's not straight up trivia it's a little bit of luck and the one fun thing is once you're once you finish it there's always a choice in jackbox where you want the same players or new players so you enter new names if you click same players it's like play a sequel and new players is like film the reboot so if you film a sequel, then it's like Murder Trivia Party 2, The Reckoning or something. And then all the characters who died, it's the name you typed in, Junior. And whoever won, it's the same player. And then if you do the third one, it's like the third. So, I mean, that's kind of cute. A little bit of flavor text. That was fun. Uh, not bad, but definitely, I think, the weakest of the bunch. Uh, the next one is a game called Gespionage, which uh, is fairly simple. It kind of feels like a Price is Right game almost, where they surveyed some people... And then it's like, uh, when it's your turn, they're like, how many people do X? And then you have to spin the slider. Like, I think 60% of people answered it this way. And then everyone else chimes in whether they think it's higher or lower. And then it'll tell you the thing, and then you get points. Uh, it's nothing really exciting, nothing too flashy. But it is fun because you're, you know, you're talking like, well, I can't believe this many people cut the crusts off their sandwich or this many people claim they you know get laid on the first date or whatever uh so it's kind of a fun little game like that kind of like family feud i guess uh and then we get to the other good ones um that i really enjoyed one's called faking it uh this one actually is probably my favorite where uh each round there's a, a simple task everyone has to do right so it's raise your hand it's point at another player. It's hold up a certain number of fingers. And everyone gets a prompt on their phone of what to do except for one person. And they're the faker. So the object of the game is for the faker to blend in and everyone else in the group trying to figure out who the faker is. So, like, for example, uh, one of them was uh, raise your hand if you drank alcohol before the age of 21. And my sister, my younger sister, was we were playing, and she has not done that. We know this. Uh, and she was the faker, so she sees all of us raise our hands, and she does too. And we were like, and then the prompt comes on the screen, you see what it is. And we're like, no, you didn't. So we all vote for her, and of course she was the faker. Because uh, it, it takes some, you know, it takes some group talk conspiring against one another the faker trying to bluff his way his or her way out of it because everyone in the group has to single out one person to be the faker or the faker will get away and it goes three rounds and if the faker can survive three rounds then they win and then the points are divvied up uh however uh so for me for that one they divvy up points but i don't know i I don't feel like there's a real winner there. Like at the end, like, oh, all right, I got the most points. But the main fun of that is, you know, trying to figure out who the faker is. And if you're the faker, trying to bluff because it gets a little trickier. Because, like, when you have to hold up a number of fingers, the first few times you played, it was just, you know, one through five, hold up one hand. But the second time we played, and we didn't know this, the prompt was something like, on a scale of one to 10, how much, how excited are you for magic shows? So everyone held up two hands except for one person. And I immediately called them out for being the faker because they wouldn't have known, you know, that two hands was an option. And, of course, they were. So there's some weird metagaming, I guess, if you if you know what the prompts may or may not be. Uh, but, I, but I really enjoyed it. I guess maybe I just like games where I can lie <laughs> to my friends.
And the last one that was surprisingly fun, which I had completely written off because I'd seen a little bit of it and it sounded really stupid. Uh, it's called TKO, uh, T-E-E-K-O. So you're, it's kind of a mix between Drawful and Quiplash. And a lot of my friends really like Drawful, and I don't because I'm really bad at drawing. And so, I mean, it's still the same in this game. So for, for TKO... Uh, the art and the music is jamming. Like, the art's really cool. It's really, uh, I mean, it's like t-shirt graphics. So it's big, it's loud, it's colorful. The music's really jamming. So the game starts, and, and it, you know, it's set up kind of like you're your, your, your learning kung fu. So it's like, you know, lesson one. And uh, you have to draw three things. Whatever you want. Just draw them. And unlike Drawful, where you only have one or two colors in Drawful 2... You get to change your background, you can change your color, you can change the size of the dot you're drawing with your finger on your phone, and you can erase, which is the best thing, um, because you can't draw full or idiots. So you draw your three things, and then it's like, all right, you have 60 seconds to just type in phrases, whatever you want. So I'm typing like cowabunga, um, you know, shake and bake, all these you know stupid little things. And then when time's up, it's time to make your t-shirt. So it gives you three drawings that everyone did. And then, I don't know, like four or five sayings. And you kind of match them up on a shirt. And then they put it on screen. And you're trying to do which one's funnier. So like one of my favorite ones is uh, my sister's boyfriend drew, I think it was him. It looked kind of like someone going Super Saiyan, I guess. It was like really red and yellow, like spiky hair going up. And the prompts or the saying I got was like hot local singles in your area. Uh, so, you know, they kind of went together, which is funny. Or um, another one was I think he drew like just a giant dick. And um, the the saying was like grab life by the balls. And I think that ended up winning because it was just really funny because it went well together. So that's one. It, it, it's a lot of setup. Like you got to draw three things you got to come up with some phrases so you have to have some friends who are creative on both of those ends but when they when you put them together and the t-shirts show up on screen some of them are duds but some of them can be really really funny um so those are all the games in in jackbox 3 definitely the strongest of all the jackbox collections i'd say um although we'll probably still play more jackbox 2 just because of how much we love fibbage and quiplash and those are both on the same one but it is great having quiplash 2 so we can have more prompts to go through because we do play a lot of uh, a lot of Quiplash. Um, so that's pretty much all I've been playing this week, other than uh, rotate through Nyquil and Musnex D like nobody's business, trying to get better. Uh, because Monday I couldn't talk; I was talking like this, and my voice was just gone, and it was not fun. Um, so I guess we'll move into uh, what little bit of news has been going on this week. Uh, not a whole whole lot with. Uh, holiday time coming up most games are are coming out but speaking about extra life um collectively they came out and said during uh, game day which was last weekend they raised over seven million dollars this year uh for the kids and all the children's miracle network children's miracle network hospitals which is awesome and of course you can continue to donate till the end of the year so if you're listening to this right now and you missed our Extra Life campaign, you can still go to our Twitch page, which is twitch.tv slash teamgamewearbr. Scroll down, obviously, because we won't be playing. But you can still scroll down and hit the giant donate button, 
and we're still accepting donations to the end of the year. Uh, that'd be awesome. So that brings uh, their total money raised since 2008 to nearly $30 million, if my math is right, uh, which is fantastic. Like that is, that is such a great cause. That's so great. I love the the games done quick marathons when they raise money for you know cancer research and Doctors Without Borders. But this is for the kids um, because no one should have to go through what they're going through, especially the age they're at. So the, uh, that I'm always really happy to see uh, gamers getting together. Uh, for this cause and raising so much money. So th- again, thank you everyone out there for that. Um, let's see what else we got here. Oh yeah, Monday was uh, N7 day, which is uh, you know when video games need holidays. Uh, so N7 going to Mass Effect. So they released uh, a Mass Effect Andromeda trailer, and I mean you can go watch that for yourself. Uh, it didn't really do a lot for me personally. Because I had no idea what the fuck was going on, to be honest. There's a lot of explosions. I don't know if Michael Bay is involved now. Um, apparently, uh, from what I gathered, is like Earth is fucked, and we need to leave. Uh, so we're going to the Andromeda Galaxy, but something goes wrong. And now we're like the aliens uh, in their galaxy, and the Mako is back, and I don't know. Uh, I really enjoyed Mass Effect 1. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. I played all of the Mass Effect games. I really enjoyed two, and three was good. But the, you know, everyone complains about that ending, justifiably so. And I don't know if that just left a bad taste in my mouth. If it's not because it's, it's not Commander Shepard, um, I will probably play this. But it feels like it's going to go the way of a lot of these fourth games coming into this new console generation. Because Gears of War 4, which is a fine game, and I hear good things about the Horde mode, is not selling too well. Uncharted 4 was great and received high marks, um, but it didn't fall into the category like in the talks that the first three did. At least I don't think. I mean, I haven't looked at numbers recently. If Neil were here, he'd probably be able to help me out. Uh, but like all of these games that had trilogies in the last console era and are coming forward with this fourth game, trying to shake things up a little bit. I feel like I might just fall victim to that. Uh, I hope not, because I really enjoyed Mass Effect 2, and I'll still get this one, but I'm not, like, frothing at the mouth. You know, I I can take it or leave it. Uh, they still didn't do a release date. They're saying spring of next year, I believe. Of course, there's that Dark Horse comic that... Um, is set to come out or leaked set to come out March 21st, 2017, which a lot of people are thinking line up with the release of the game. But I feel like if you're going to have your made up holiday and you're going to show this trailer, I guess they don't, maybe they don't think it's ready. Like why not show a release date if it's four months away? But then I guess we're always on this show saying don't announce release dates because your game will probably get delayed anyway. So they must not be too confident that they're that it's going to be done by March. And I guess it's better for them not to do a date so they can delay it inevitably. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being cynical and it will reach March and it is further along. And it is going to be great. I, I don't know. It's just, um, like I said, with the way Mass Effect 3 ended, just left a really bad taste in my mouth. Speaking of leaks... Um, if you don't want to know what's going on in Pokemon Sun and Moon, uh, hopefully you haven't found out anything yet, but uh, earlier this week, copies were leaking out, like, everywhere. Like, all over the place. 
So if you're sensitive to spoiler information like I am, uh, try to avoid any Pokemon forums or subreddits or just the internet in general. Uh, luckily, I haven't found any yet, and the game comes out next week. But uh, a lot of copies were being leaked for some reason or somehow. I don't know if they fell off a truck uh, or what. But um, we'll be, we'll be get, that, getting that in next week. So we, I don't know if we'll have time to talk about it on next week's show. Uh, but definitely uh, the next week for Thanksgiving. Hopefully we can get some Pokemon Sun and Moon in. Because ever since that demo, I've been really excited about that game. And uh, I can't wait to uh, play more of it. And trying to avoid all trailers and anything at this point. So we'll see on that. Uh, the last piece of news I have uh, today... Well, I guess I have a couple things. Uh, today, the NES Classic came out. If you were the lucky few to get one, congratulations, because they've now gone for like three times as much on eBay. Uh, of course, this is that smaller NES that comes packed with 30 games. And um, I don't know if Nintendo's trying to control supply, do the Amiibo thing where they generate hype by not having any. But we've had people coming in the store for months asking when this thing is coming out, how many we're getting, and if they can pre-order it. And, of course, we couldn't because we didn't know how many we're getting. And it turns out we didn't get very much. And people were calling the store all day today and coming in trying to find one. And, unfortunately, we only got a few. And those, of course, went very quickly. So if you're trying to get one of these, good luck. Uh, Nintendo said they'll be shipping out you know, new things uh, regularly, I think the tweet said. Uh, but who knows what that means. Uh, hopefully we'll get another big shipment before Black Friday in two weeks. But with Nintendo, who knows? Uh, also, in terms of hardware releases, the PS4 Pro came out yesterday. Uh, you know, for $399, offers 4K gaming, HDR, imaging, technology, and faster, more stable frame rates, according to this PlayStation blog post. But the main reason I pulled this up was because uh, between now and the end of the year, there are 40-ish titles that will be optimized. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The following 40-plus titles will be optimized for the new hardware on launch day. Some games have updates to add pro support, while more recent titles like Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Infinite Warfare have pro enhancements built into the base game. So I'm going to read out this list to y'all if you're interested in PS4 Pro and uh, what games you can look forward to in 4K glory, or at least having pro features. Uh, let's see. Battlefield 1, Battle Zone, Bound, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered, uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, Dishonored 2, Drive Club VR, uh, EA Sports FIFA 17, I guess that's the official title, okay, uh, Firewatch, Helldivers, Hitman, Hustle Kings, Infamous First Light, Infamous Second Son, Knack, oh man, Steven's gonna be excited to play Knack with its PS4 Pro upgrades, uh, Mafia 3, Mantis Burn Racing, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, NBA 2K17, Neon Chrome, Paragon, PlayStation VR Worlds, Ratchet and Clank, Res Infinite, Riggs Mechanized Combat League, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Robinson the Journey, Smite, uh, Super Stardust Ultra, The Elder Scrolls Online Gold Edition, The Elder Scrolls Online Tamriel Unlimited, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Special Edition, Last of Us Remastered, Last of Us Left Behind, The Playroom VR, Thumper, Titanfall 2, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, Viking Squad, Wheels of Aurelia, World of Tanks, and XCOM 2. 
Uh, then the blog post continues to say, in addition to these titles, more than 45 games will be optimized for PS4 Pro by the end of the year, uh, including Watch Dogs 2, which comes out next week, uh, Killing Floor 2, and The Last Guardian, as well as Final Fantasy 15. Um, and stuff going into 2017. Uh, you know, as someone who just had a PS4 go out and I had to open my special fancy 20th edition one, I definitely now won't be picking up a PS4 Pro anytime soon. Uh, mainly because I don't have a 4K TV, and while I hear it does improve, improve some gameplay on 1080p, I don't think it's worth uh, it for $399. But if, God forbid, the second PS4 now goes out on me, or if I was in the market fresh for a PS4, I would uh, go ahead and get a Pro, because why not? Uh, or if I had a 4K TV, which I don't. Um, but technically, this is the most powerful console on the market right now. So if you're looking for that, there you go. And if I do this, I have to kill time myself, because I don't have them to let talk while I look. I believe that's all the news I have for this week. And I have no one to ask if I missed anything. So we're just going to move on to new releases for next week or technically today Dishonored 2 comes out on PS4 Xbox One and PC uh, of course I started the first game and still need to finish it uh, next Tuesday there's a couple Ubisoft games first before we get to the new stuff uh, Assassin's Creed the Ezio collection comes out again on PS4 and Xbox One and then Watch Dogs 2 comes out on PS4 and Xbox One and PC um, I'm curious to see how Watch Dogs 2 does. Considering how much of a flop Watch Dogs 1 happened, and Ubisoft seems confident that Watch Dogs 2 will carry them through the holiday without a new Assassin's Creed title, aside from re-releasing uh, the Ezio collection again, this time on PS4 and Xbox One. And then jumping ahead a little to next week, like I mentioned, Pokemon Sun and Moon come out next Friday, November 18th. So I know we're looking forward uh, to that. Um... Let me check the old email inbox. I don't think we got anything. Uh, GameWareExpress at gmail.com is the email address if you want to email us. And no, nothing except all these Extra Life uh, donation pings. So that will bring us to special stages. And I guess by default, I get to go first. So I'm really excited. Uh, ESPN tweeted out the other day uh, the premiere dates of one of their 30 for 30 documentaries, uh, this one based around the XFL, which if you're unfamiliar with the XFL, uh, was a joint uh, football league uh, pairing with uh, Vince McMahon of WWE fame, where like the rules were more extreme. Like it's almost, it's not real life blitz, but it's the closest thing we'll get where there are no kickoffs. There's no opening kickoff. You have to like run at the ball and rustle for it. And there's no fair catches and all this weird stuff. And my favorite thing was you could put anything on the back of your jersey. It didn't have to be your last name. It could have been a nickname. And, of course, the most popular guy is He Hate Me. He Hate Me. Uh, and he's actually on the cover, or I guess the the, the marketing materials for this 30 for 30 documentary. Uh, it's coming out on fe- February 2nd, I believe, three days before the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know. That was really big in the early 2000s, and I'm ready to see this documentary. Another documentary I want to check out, it's on Showtime, but I don't get Showtime. And, of course, my dad, uh, who I've been mooching HBO Go off of, uh, canceled Showtime recently. But there's a documentary about um, former LSU and current 
uh, Philadelphia 76er basketball player Ben Simmons and about the uh, one-and-done rule with the NCAA and the NBA, where before, like, you know, Kobe Bryant, um, Kevin Garnett, LeBron James, they all went straight from high school to the NBA, but now there's a rule saying you have to go to college for at least one year, and it seems like this documentary is putting that in a negative light, which I agree. Uh, One year seems silly. Um, I think it should be at least two or three, personally, or none at all, because one year, you're not going to go to class, you're not going to do anything, as a college team, you can't really build around a person for a year because you know she'll be gone unless you're just Kentucky and recruit all the best talent and continue to do that. But um, I just think it's a waste of time to do only one year. Uh, so I'm curious to see how this documentary will portray it, uh, portray him as a player, portray LSU. Uh, and I really want to check it out. So I need to find a way to, to watch that without show time. So if anybody knows, let me know. GameRexpress at gmail.com. Uh, and that's it. That's the end of our show. I can't believe I just talked for like 40 minutes by myself. So hopefully I wasn't too boring. Uh, hopefully this was uh, entertaining as an episode. Uh, I definitely hope not to do it again anytime soon and we'll be able to get more people on next time. Uh, I think next week will be a road show with Steven and I. Uh, we'll be in Monroe, Louisiana uh, for work for the week. So I'll bring the old travel mic up there. Uh, but until then, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Adam Arinder. You can find GameWare on Facebook, facebook.com slash GameWareBR, or uh, this podcast, facebook.com slash GameWareExpress. You can listen to it on SoundCloud, where I post it every Friday, even if I'm sitting here doing this by myself, uh, as well as on iTunes, uh, Google Play, and Xbox Music. Uh, still, like I said, you can donate, twitch.tv slash TeamGameWareBR to our Extra Life Fund. And shout out um, for King Crow Studios, the indie game studio I work uh, for here in Baton Rouge. Our second project, Necroball, is on Steam Greenlight. I encourage everyone to please check it out, and if you like it, give us a yes vote. Uh, we actually played that at like 4 or 5 p.m. on our extra live stream. It was a blast. People seemed to like it. I know Vaughn and Nick had a lot of fun playing it. We had our lead designer, Cody, uh, on the stream too. I'm going to try to see if I can pull the uh, archive and separate that by hour, just, just in general for our extra live stream by game and also for, for Necroball. So... Uh, please check us out if you have a steam account that'd be really great um and that's about it uh this is a weird experiment i think it went well i hope hopefully i sound okay i guess i'll find that out soon or you already know because you just listened to this for 45 minutes uh we'll be on the road next week then it's thanksgiving then we're on the road again so the next few weeks leading up to christmas uh will be a little off kilter i'm still trying to have them up every friday uh but hopefully soon we can have everyone back at the table and do this like we usually do. So if it's like I said, if it's your first time, you made this this far, thank you so much. Uh, we'll have everyone else soon. We'll introduce you to everyone uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, if you've been a long-time listener, I really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for tuning in. So everyone out there, have a great weekend. And we will see you next week. <laughs>